Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 329. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Pingdom, and ExpressVPN. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello. Hello. How mm-hmm. are you? Oh, wow. Jinx. Jinx. <laughs> Man, that's, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? To jinx your podcast co-host? How's that one going to last? Can't talk until you bring me a Coke. Why is that the thing? I don't know. It was a thing. here, if you jinx someone, you they can't the the person can't speak again until you say their name three times. Hmm. I don't know. That's how it works. I don't know why Coke's gotten into it. I don't know. Well, there's a scene in the office where that happens. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a thing before that office episode or not. Anyways. Hello. I'm glad you're well. We're also joined by Federico Vatici. Hello, I'm good before you ask. <laughs> wow. But, yeah. I'm I'm doing fine. We haven't got time to waste. No, we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Never mind me. Go on. Follow up. Go on. Follow up. Uh, we have a great idea sent in from a listener, Leon, who writes, When air tags come out, can you please all get some? Then your significant others can hide them somewhere around your house or city, if you can go outside. And you can all race to see who can find their air tag the fastest in a competition we'll call the Taggies. I don't know why anyone would think that we'd be interested in such trivial competitions. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what it is that would make people believe that we would compete uh, for such silly things. But I guess some, somehow we've given ourselves this, uh, this, this mentality. I suppose people think of us. Mm. I'm not too opposed to the idea, personally. There are so many issues around rules for an event like this. Mm. I don't even want. I don't even want to think about what the reading of the rules would look like because, well, what like if if Sylvia hit it in at like the at the beach, and you're in Rome, and like Mary just hit Stevens in the back garden, like, you know. This, to me, sounds like the sort of game that we should be playing at WWDC. Yes. Once we can do that again in person. Oh, my God. Three air tags. They're <laughs> hidden around the auditorium. <laughs> <laughs> this, to me, feels like a WWDC game. Yes, it really does. Oh, I like the sound of this. Well, we can hold that for maybe three years or maybe not. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> See. No. <laughs> Please don't say it three twenty twenty two. Come Maybe. on. Next year. Next uh, year. I still don't think so. I still I still oh, don't no. think so. Oh no. And I'm, I'm not putting any money on it. Uh in uh relation to this, Federico, you last week very boldly claimed that mm. you have never lost anything. Uh that is still true. Even though it was proven on the episode that he had in fact lost multiple things. Yes. But- uh, and you were supposed to double check that with Sylvia. Have you done this? Yeah, I did. We cannot remember any single particular thing mm. that I've lost. Well, I mean, I've I've told you we're, we're supposed to believe it's your you. Heart rate monitor. Well, you can text Sylvia if you don't believe me. But like, I have an example. <laughs> I have the example that was you stolen from me. your heart rate monitor. You it lost was that. stolen from me. Mm. I didn't lose it. It was sto- It was taken from me. Mm-hmm. to be on somebody else's sweaty chest, not mine. <laughs> so. <laughs> now that he's mad. 
The streak is unbroken. Steven has broken another iPhone. When you say another, that that's kind of a loaded term. Uh, yeah, he's right. Another. I'm pretty sure you have broken a version of every iPhone for like the last four years. Well, let's like, find out. You break every one of them. Let's find out. I keep a list. How? I keep a list. You keep a list of the phones you've broken? Yes. That shows how often you break phones. Well, it shows that I, I don't have care a list. about my content creation job. I have never broken an iPhone. Should we go through this history? Yeah. Uh, iPhone 4S fell out of my car at a job I used to have, face down on the parking lot and broke. Mm-hmm. iPhone 6 was dropped down a flight of stairs in a parking garage. Mm-hmm. People remember that one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Super dead. <laughs> iPhone 6 Plus was bent by the emergency brake in my car. <laughs> iPhone 7 Plus got knocked off my desk in my office, which has concrete floors, and it missed the rug uh-huh. by about four inches and shattered. Uh-huh. iPhone 10, I just have unknown. I'm not sure what happened to that one. Okay iPhone 10s Max. I was working under my truck and I dropped a tool on the screen of my phone and broke it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the iPhone 12 Pro, I broke the back glass while dropping it while tripping. You didn't break the iPhone 11? No. And not like 420 tripping. I tripped over a rug. If you would have broken iPhone 11, you would have been like on a streak from the iPhone 6. Yep. 6, 7, 10, 10s. Do we all agree that the problem is you at this point? You mean we have to? Like, do you realize that you have a problem? It seems like it. Yeah. No, like, really? Like, this isn't <laughs> But this seriously, isn't an though, issue. like, why do you keep breaking every single iPhone you have? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is it like a fetish? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I love this the sound a, of glass. This is a real problem. Yeah, like, is it is how you get your kicks? He just, like, walks around holding it with just two fingers. Like, will now be the time? <laughs> like, I don't understand. I don't know. It, it, it just happens to me. Like, you know, it's not necessary to break it. Is it just it. iPhones? Like, if you only broke iPhones, do you break other things, like, technology-wise? Mm, I broke a laptop screen in the past. A laptop yep. fell and broke a screen. That was recent, right? Uh-huh. It was, like, last year. Do you break other things consistently in your, your life? Foot. No. I've never yeah. broken an iPad. Uh, my foot. I broke an iPad. My foot, I guess, counts. That was only once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's quite a record. But I got my new phone here, and I got some bad news about mm-hmm. the new okay. phone. It's not broken. <laughs> Don't worry. You Just just to confirm, you got you had Apple Care, right? You didn't oh, just I, buy a new this one. This is why I buy Apple Care on my phones, because I know this, this is going to happen. Yeah. You've really got your money back over time. Oh, yeah. So I shipped my broken iPhone back to Apple just this morning, actually, and have my new phone. I got it set up yesterday, did the migration thing. Just as a sidebar, the direct phone-to-phone transfer, like over wireless, is awesome. It's the second or third Mm -hmm. time I've used it, and I cannot say enough good things about it, especially if you do it overnight and you don't miss using your phone. Although this morning, both phones went off with my alarm. The pro- oh, yeah. The problem is doing it on launch day because you want to use the phone and the phone's like out of action for three hours or whatever. Yeah. You know? The Discord thinks that Apple's going to stop selling me Apple Care at some point. <laughs> is that mm. a thing? I don't think. I hope not. <laughs> I mean, it's like an insurance, right? Like if you keep claiming at a certain point, you're costing them more money. Maybe. 
Like well, maybe they think, will just like cut you off. You think they're thinking you're committing Apple Care fraud? I mean, the phones are really broken, and I pay them ninety nine dollars <laughs> a time to replace it. Mm. But mm. still, can we get to the bad news? So the bad news is, last night I have my old broken phone, which was now in a case. Okay, to so keep... you're painting a whole picture here. Yeah, I okay. got to paint the picture. Yeah. Sure. What so did you have for dinner? What was the what did I have for dinner? I don't know what I had for dinner last night. Smell in the air. Yeah, smell of broken glass. So my broken phone, which is being held together by the case it was now in, I put it in the case after I broke it to keep it together. That phone was sitting on the MagSafe charger on my nightstand, and I brought a lightning cable in and had the new phone plugged into lightning because I knew this was going to take three hours. I didn't want the phones to to die while this was going on, and. Um, I go to lay down and I hear something. I hear a little sound. And I had flashbacks to my no. iPhone 7 Plus. And I realized no. that my new phone makes the same coil whine hissing noise. Oh, here no. we go again. No. That no, my no, phone no, 7 no, Plus did. No. no, no, no. Stop the presses. Steven's going on the morning <laughs> no, shows. No, no. This cannot That's be right. So if you, again. if you're... If you're not aware of what happened, I had an iPhone 7 Plus that did this. I shot the world's worst video of it and posted <laughs> it over the weekend, and it went viral. 1.6 million views. Is that what it's up to? Golly. Yeah. I don't ever... And also, to say you shot a video is a real stretch. It's just a picture. And, <laughs> and some sound. <laughs> it's it's a not great. It's a 13-second video of a, a hiss. Yeah, it was on like the morning shows on Monday. It was wild. Uh, it was a terrible, yeah. terrible weekend. A gate. It was a gate. It, it was gate. his gate. It was a gate. Yeah, his gate. So anyways, this phone only seemed to do it when it was transferring, which is a really heavy duty task. And it doesn't do it now, even if it's plugged in. So I checked it this morning. It doesn't mm. make noise. So hopefully it's all good to go. One thing I have noticed, like still my, my iPhone, it gets hot sometimes, like yes. really hot to the touch sometimes. Um, I don't know if this is the thing that I'm just not wearing a case on my phone, so maybe they've been like this for a while, but there is like a, just a point on the top left of my phone, kind of in the back, so it would be the top right on the back if you're looking at it on the back, where it gets a bit hot to the touch. Uh, Ian has updated the Relay FM uh, fandom wiki. Uh, with your page, Stephen, with a list of all the devices you've broken. <laughs> Does Federico have a page yet? So if people want to check your list. Uh, I, I was the first one to have a page. Yeah, we we got upset about this because it says That's superpowers right. never loses anything, may temporarily mishandle items is, mm-hmm. is how uh, Federico's page. You live outside of London with your wife, a uh-huh. Roomba, and a growing collection of mechanical keyboards. I may have started a gate five years ago, but you have started a gate with these AirPods Max battery issues. No, I haven't. You see, this is uh, this is a thing that I learned. So I was having problems with the, I've mentioned this, right? The battery on my yes. AirPods. And I hadn't heard anybody mention it at that point. I hadn't heard it said anywhere. I hadn't read it anywhere. And where did I talk about it? On this show. Where did I not talk about it? On Twitter. Because I knew if I tweeted about it, someone was going to make it a thing. Like that time when I realized that it was like the iPhone 6S or something. that the Because remember they turned the button to be like a solid state button, right? Remember mm-hmm. that? Um, it didn't move anymore. And I realized that that meant that like if you had gloves on or whatever 
you couldn't use the home button. So I tweeted it. And then, like, my Twitter account exploded for 24 hours. Nowhere near the level of Hisgate. Uh, But it ended up in some company sending me gloves that had Touch ID capabilities for them. So what I didn't want to do is tweet about the fact that the battery was bad on my AirPods Pro Max. But now there have been, like, forum posts and stuff. Like, it's a forum posts. So uh, Mac Rumors and 9to5Mac picked it up. I'm still experiencing this. Uh, the thing is, it's random. Like, some days my AirPods Max are fine. Other days, they're completely dead. And this is even when I leave them in the little silly case. So I haven't been able to track down any reproducible steps for it. It basically seems like, from my experience and the experience of others that are reporting issues, that the headphones, they're not correctly switching to low power mode and maybe staying connected to devices when they're not supposed to be. And it's like... It, it's just draining the battery because they're, they're just on all night. Um, I tried, like, I wondered if maybe my Macs were the issue or something. I don't know, like maybe the new M1 Mac and these weren't playing nicely together. So I turned off, like, automatic detection for the Macs, but it hasn't changed anything because I'm still having issues on my AirPods Macs uh, rather than my Macintoshes. So... I don't know. It's a thing. People are seeing it. I now expect that they're going to fix it somehow because people are writing articles about it now. Anything else in follow-up we need to address? Uh, Probably not. Um, Do I have a motion to close follow-up? Is this a thing now? Mm. I don't know. Motion it and see what happens. Uh, What would you say? What's the opposite of motion denied? What would you say? Would you say motion seconded? Is it? Do I second it? Someone has to motion and someone has to second. Okay. So you would say. So well, like I motion to move to ad break. Yes. Do I have a second? And then Federico has to second it. What do I have to say? Se- motion seconded. Second it. I second the motion. There you I, go. I I second the motion. Yes. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea, complete with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, or maybe a portfolio, or write a blog, or host a podcast. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do those things really easily because there's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. You don't have to worry about that weird stuff in the middle of the night when your server goes haywire because Squarespace has all of that covered for you. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you ever need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. One of the things I really love about Squarespace is that you can grow a site over time. So if someone builds a site and it's just some contact information and maybe a gallery of work and they want to add a blog later, it's really easy to do that. You don't have to re-architect the whole website. You just put a blog in the navigation and start blogging. It's really that easy. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected and the code CONNECTED to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for the support of the show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. 
So Apple are doing podcast-related things. There's things they are doing, things they're rumored to do, uh, but movements continue to occur. One of these um, is, according to 9to5Mac, sources have told them that there are Apple Music and Apple Podcast apps coming to Windows, Mm. uh, which is interesting because Windows currently has iTunes, and so it looks like they're going to be bringing those apps over. I mean, this could mean a bunch of different things, I suppose, but I think ultimately it just, even if Apple wasn't doing anything else with podcasts, I think it makes sense to to kill iTunes on Windows if they're going to continue wanting to support Windows and have an Apple Music app and a podcast app because they're the brands. Like iTunes is not a brand for Apple anymore, uh, but Apple Music and Apple Podcasts are. So rather than just leaving uh, iTunes on Windows to be this like withering on the vine type thing, they should actually make the applications that the, um, that, that the other platforms have, I think. About a year ago, maybe, there were some job postings that pointed towards this. Yeah. And you're right. iTunes on Windows is like stepping back in time. <laughs> it's really weird to use. And it, it doesn't put Apple Music front and center. I think that's what they want. What surprises me about this really is that I <laughs> we may see this before my pick of pod, Apple Podcasts on Android which I think makes more sense than this because most podcast listening happens on mobile devices, but who knows? Maybe that's coming too, but this would bring Windows along with the current state of Apple media apps. Yeah, I'm now coming around to podcasts on uh, Android, but only if they do what is reported to be done, like the information had that report that they're looking to have some kind of podcast subscription service with original content if apple do do that then i also expect there to be apple podcasts on android the current like product and their offering i don't think really dictates it but at the point that they want to start uh making it part of the overall services thing they might want to look at bringing that over i mean it does start to get awkward because then like you know fitness plus is part of it technically but that wouldn't work you know like because it's so integrated with the apple watch but Apple TV is on other platforms. Um, so, yeah, it gets a bit murky, but I could imagine podcasts being more like Apple TV than, say, News Plus or Fitness Plus in what Apple offers for it to other platforms. And there was also this thing, I read about this on MacintoshStories.net, that there is a new editorial feature hmm. for Apple Podcasts where every month they're going to feature a podcast from a, quote, up-and-coming creator. Um, human curation on the podcast's directory or store, whatever you'd want to call it, is not new. In fact, they've been doing this for longer than any of their other curation things, like the App Store or Apple Music. Like podcasts on on uh, Apple's devices in iTunes and everything, there's been an element of human curation in it always. It's, it's always been a thing. And they also have human uh, submission. So all submissions to Apple Podcasts, they're listened to by a human like for the first time when you want to get your feed in the store. Maybe that plays into the curation, but I know that there's always been a curation element. What's kind of different about this is they put lengthy editor's notes in this first um, spotlight, which is uh, for a podcast 
called Celebrity Book Club by Chelsea Devantes. This is the first like Apple podcast spotlight. And then they wrote like a big thing about why they're picking it. Um, I imagine this could be the start of a potential redesign of Apple podcasts that makes it more like the app store with editorial stuff. You know, like when you go into the app store and they've got all those little stories. Sure. I could imagine them doing that with podcasts just because there's so much content. They could quite easily make these like, hey, here's a bunch of shows about this. Because again, hey. they already do this. There are categories on the podcast's directory. I could imagine them maybe wanting to expand it out a little bit more um, than what they've currently got. And this could be the start of that. I think it's definitely going to be something they do more and more. I mean, there's even some of that in Apple Music, right? So I think that this follows that logic pretty well. Uh, we spoke about AirPods Max a little bit ago. Um, iFixit did a teardown and came across some weird stuff, I guess, is maybe the best way to describe it. <laughs> so they found out that you can take the headband off by of the of the like the ear cups by removing the magnetic ear cups and then using a sim ejector tool you poke it in a hole and you can pull out the headband from the ear cup um and this seems like you know it's like a weird thing and you know i've seen people say like aha this is going to allow for people to change their headbands and that didn't make any sense to me because it's like it feels very much like a service thing like the apple watch data port right that like you can pop open this little door on an apple watch and mm -hmm. and someone can stick a a cable in it and now like you can do some sorry i just punched my microphone literally into my face that actually hurt quite a little bit <laughs> i got so excited about the, the apple the, the airpods that I, I, I punched myself in the face with my microphone You know, you can do that with the services thing for like uh, the, the the for the Apple Watch. They can plug it in at Apple support, and they can do their diagnostics or whatever. So I just figured that this is a similar thing, right? Because it seems like such a weird thing to do. But then Nine to Five Mac found code in iOS four point four that can detect a headphone band type, which made me go back to thinking about the original report, right? that Mark Gurman put out ages ago about multiple material options and then apparently there was some kind of delays. I wanted to know what you guys thought because now people are like, aha, maybe you can change the headbands. But this seems like too weird and tricky still as a way to do it. Yeah, it feels like it requires too many steps. I don't know. Um, I, I'm intrigued by it because of the whole idea of Obviously, we talked about this months ago, like perhaps you want to have a headband for running and a headband for different types of workouts or just different materials, different, you know, different colors, whatever. And software being aware of it means maybe, you know, uh, you know, it can detect and it can adjust, you know, certain types of workouts, for example, if there's going to be a sport headband. That was the idea at the time. Now, obviously, like the procedure for changing the headband i'm not sure about it because it feels like a very hacky way to do it it's very different from magnetic ear cups right like one is magnets exactly. the other's or changing a watch band right yeah the other's just 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 grab your sim ejector tool like okay <laughs> i continue to be intrigued by the idea i'm not sure how exactly apple could could deliver on it like mm -hmm. 
we're just speculating here. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if you had a headband just for workouts? Yes, it would be cool, but what would it actually mean in practice? We don't know. But still, the way that they do it in the in the iFixit folks do it, I don't think there's going to be an official way for consumers to do it. I just got a sim ejector tool. Do it. Do you want me to try it? Yes. Right. You should do it live. I'm doing it. Oh, God. Uh, the Apple sim ejector tool is not long enough. Maybe like a safety pin or paperclip? Oh, no, no, it is long enough. No, no it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, I'm not going to keep trying it. I've decided. <laughs> no, just keep digging around inside your $3,000 headphones. Yeah, tried it a little bit. Uh, not going to try it any more than that. Oh, God, I bent the sim ejector tool a little bit. <laughs> oh, no. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I couldn't find mine, and my replacement phone, oddly, didn't come with one of the box, so I used a safety pin this morning to move my SIM card over. But it worked. That's weird that a replacement phone wouldn't come with the SIM ejector tool. Yeah. I looked through all the paperwork, unless I just missed it. Did I send it in a regular box? It's in a cardboard box, and inside that's like a white service box. Oh, so it's not like a proper iPhone box. No, 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 no. It's a service Maybe that's why thing. I don't... The iFixit teardown is super interesting. I mean, this thing is vastly over-engineered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, is, it is what you expect from Apple, but we we don't... We don't often see it in something like headphones. We're like, yeah, the Mac Pro is over-engineered, but it doesn't have a bunch of moving parts and springs and stuff. The thing that really jumped out at me is the connection between the two sides. So obviously there has to be some sort of connection between the two for power and charging and, and all that stuff. So Apple uses an electromechanical hinge. This thing has a flex cable that is in the rotating portion of the joint. So if you have the AirPod Max, you know, it's kind of like a uh, a ball and shoulder type joint there. And there's springs and switches to help keep the cable from breaking down as the AirPod, I guess the ear cups and the band move independently of each other. And there are these two large springs that do the clamping pressure and all this has to be designed, designed, as they pointed out, something I didn't think of, which is why I'm not a hardware designer at Apple, I guess, probably just this one reason, that anything inside these ear cups has to survive over the course of its lifespan hours and hours of vibration because of the driver in the ear cups, right? So everything in here is moving Mm. or vibrating and it all has to work and not break down and screws can't come loose. And there's actually way more screws than this than I thought. I kind of thought it all be glued together and there's, it seems relatively easy for the most part to take apart if you have the right bits and kind of know what you're doing. The whole thing was very impressive to me. I can't believe that it got a six out of 10 for repairability (laughs) for my fix it. This seems like a high score these days. Uh, you know, like over-engineered is, it sounds um, negative, mm-hmm. right? That phrase. It doesn't necessarily mean it's negative, but there is, it's, it's, it's over-engineered compared to other products. Like they, in the iFixit teardown, they open up one of the Sony headphones the insides and like the both, I think Bose ones too, the insides of them just look so much more simple. Now, you can make a very good argument that like the over engineering there is like, well, the Sony ones also sound really good 
and they didn't need to go to the wild lengths that Apple have gone to. But like, this is just, I guess, the way that they do things, right? They, they, every company makes things differently, and Apple is bringing a different. They're starting from a different place, right? They're like, we make computers now, we'll make headphones, and maybe that means that you end up doing things in a way which is complicated, but does result in a great product. Like it's it's not it's not like the over engineering is pointless, but it can also then explain mm-hmm. why these are so expensive because they seem to be very complicated to make. Well, that, that's why these things feel so premium, right? Premium is about how something like feels in your hand and how it moves. Apple really cares about that sort of thing, and all of this engineering is what makes that possible, right? They don't feel like flimsy plastic because there's no flimsy plastic in them. And they're heavy. And you can see looking at this, why they're so heavy, because they're built like tanks. Yep. So we're like a, what, a couple of months into these being out? Like, are you all still in love with them? Are you using them a bunch? Because I I returned mine. I like to kind of check in and see how it's going. I use them every day. I love them. Every day I use them. Yeah, I really like them. I basically listen to them, yeah, nearly every day. I was actually looking for replacement um, ear pads the other day because I wanted to mix and match the black and red colors, mm-hmm. but those are still not available on the Apple Store. But yeah, I like them. I like them. I, uh, I'm i a big fan of the digital crown approach. As time goes on, I really think that's a genius way to do it just because I know how much I dislike gestures and this you know finicky controls on other headphones so having a physical you know this this physical volume knob up there it's really well done it's really nice i don't particularly use noise cancellation these days because it's not like i'm on a train or on a plane or somewhere just at home there's not much noise to cancel uh these days but um yeah the volume works really well and uh and the sound is fantastic I confirm my judgment from a few weeks back. These are the best wireless headphones I've ever had. And uh, I don't use Siri, so I don't care about that part. I just use it with Spotify and, you know, watching the occasional video. Sometimes with my Apple TV, works totally okay. So, yeah, great sound. Um, could be cheaper, I guess, you know, but also mm-hmm. the build quality it speaks for itself. It's like it's like wearing a HomePod around your head, basically. So. <laughs> You know, it's it's you pay for that kind of experience and that kind of build quality as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else with the the AirPods Max? Well, I just I guess the only thing I want to say is I'm curious to see if this is the kind of product that will be updated in a few years. Because if this is the kind of build quality that we see in, in this first version, it feels to me again the the you know comparing it to the HomePod to the first generation HomePod. This feels to me like the once every X years kind of accessory. I would be very surprised. I would be positively surprised if this follow an annual update schedule like other AirPods. Mm-hmm. I'm just very skeptical about that, given the nature of you know and the price of of what this is. I reckon it's every couple of years. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that seems more likely, you know. Because the the AirPods Pro have passed a year, right? Don't yeah. they announced in like an in like October or something yeah. of twenty nineteen? Yeah, I think so. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom. 
Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content is or how effective your marketing may be, they're likely going to bounce. They're going to leave if your site loads too slowly or if something is broken on it. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues are affecting your visitors' experiences so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, or platform they're using. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed decisions and deliver great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is event-based, meaning that you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of the show and Relay FM. How's your Mac Pro feeling? It's great. Yeah. I can touch the handle right now. It's very smooth. It's cool to the touch. Don't touch it too much in case it rolls away and all your cables unplug. It's got wheels. Do you lock those wheels in any way? Do you do anything to stop that stop it from moving? No, but it's on a rug and so it, it's not really gonna go anywhere on its own. Okay. So how are you feeling about this Mark Gurman report? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Gurman has been doing a lot of reporting, and y'all broke a lot of it down on Upgrade on Monday, which was a really, really good episode. The report says a couple of things. So it says that there's two Mac Pros in the works. One is full-sized, meaning the enclosure looks the way that the 2019 enclosure looks, you know, the big, big tower. And that there's discussion with an Apple that that machine may come with an Intel processor. There's also this second model, which is more mysterious, that is, quote, half-sized, which is a term he used previously in another report. In this report, he likens it to the design of the Power Mac G4 Cube and says that it is also a Mac Pro, but obviously smaller. When you look at what is inside a Mac Pro, it is mostly air until you fill it up with PCI cards or MPX modules, which are just Apple's fancy PCI modules that also use Thunderbolt. Apple uses them for their GPUs. So in my Mac Pro, for instance, I've got the GPU, I've got an afterburner, and I have a card with uh, some SSDs on it. So I'm using a good bit of mine. Mine has less air in it than it did when I first got it. And I have two hard drives up at the top. In, In thinking about... The first one, saying that there's another full-size machine with an Intel processor in it. That seems to me like a spec bump of the 2019 Mac Pro. Yeah. I think that makes sense for a couple of reasons. The Mac Pro is always going to go last. And so if Apple does take two years, the Mac Pro at that point would be three and a half years old or so, I think. Mm -hmm. Or two and a half years old. It would be getting older at that point. There are people who need to stay on the previous architecture. It was a huge deal, PowerPC to Intel. People needed to stay on PowerPC for certain reasons, the things that Rosetta couldn't handle or hardware support for something weird or something like that. This time around, you not only have an architecture change, 
but you also have the fact that in Big Sur and moving forward, the way kernel extensions are handled is different. And if you're a pro using pro apps that use kernel extensions, you could get locked out of those in the future. And if your software isn't super actively developed, that could be a problem. And so there there are people, there's not many of them, out of the Mac Pro community, which is not many people to begin with, a subsection of them would maybe want to stay on Intel longer and want a as new of an Intel Mac as possible. Now, from Apple's perspective, I don't know how much sense that makes. I think it makes some sense from the consumer's perspective. But from Apple's perspective, it does a couple things. One, you're putting an Intel machine out, and you probably just don't want to do that. But it also resets the clock on how long you need to support Intel hardware in your OSs. So in the PowerPC to Intel transition, Tiger ran on PowerPC and Intel. Leopard ran on PowerPC and Intel. But Snow Leopard did not. Snow Leopard dropped support for PowerPC. And it was Intel only. And it was only... Um, let's see, Snow Leopard was in 2009, so it was really only a few years after the first Intel Macs shipped, three years. I don't think Apple could get away with revising a Mac Pro or any Intel Mac in 2021 and drop them in 2024, especially if it's high-end hardware. Now, mm. the the caveat to that is Apple only supports... It's current release minus two for security updates. So right now we have Big Sur, Catalina, and Mojave are getting security updates. High Sierra is not anymore. So three years does rule out the security update issue, but it just seems to me that if they're going to say, hey, there's going to be one last Intel Mac, and it's an upgrade to the best Intel Mac we ever made, it seems to me... That puts Apple on the hook for another year or two of OS support for Intel Macs. I don't know if that's a concern of theirs. I, part of me already thinks that Mac OS is going to support Intel Macs longer than Mac OS X supported PowerPC Macs because there are Probably. way more Intel Macs out there yep. than there ever were PowerPC Macs, right? They operate at such a bigger scale yep. now. It's a lot more people to make mad. So I don't know. Hey, Federico, mm -hmm. do you remember two weeks ago when Steven said that uh, there would be no more Intel Macs on sale mm -hmm. at the end of 2021? I mm -hmm. remember that. Yeah. That was fun, right? That was that fun was at so, the time. Super fun. Mm -hmm. That's aging really well. It's extra really fun well. now. Yeah. <laughs> it's going really well for you, man. Yeah, you've had a great start to the year. It, it really seems like annual picks... Annual picks die quickly or at the very end of the year. There's no in between. They, they, yeah, they get solved very fast and then nothing happens for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then it's all in September. Yeah. So the, the longevity of Intel Macs is a question for me. And this rumored Intel Mac Pro spec bump definitely plays into that. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I don't even know if the 2019 Mac Pro needs a spec bump. I mean, if you could do anything, do what you did with the iMac Pro, get rid of the slowest CPU or, you know, the, the fewest core CPU and just bump the prices accordingly, right? Or do that with the GPU, not a spec bump, but a configuration change to make it a little bit better value. 
Are there new Intel chips they could put in these? I don't follow the Xeon W right. landscape very well, but maybe. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know that answer to that. Maybe if someone does, let us know. They could have new MPX modules or something. Yeah, right? and, and they um, have. They've had newer GPUs. The GPU I have in mind wasn't for sale on day one. That's all they've done with MPX modules. There hasn't been like an afterburner for audio or you know any of the other wild stuff we dreamed of, but... They have begrudgingly released some new GPUs, but even the high-end stuff, the, there's new AMD stuff they haven't made into an MPX module yet. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, my plan when I bought this machine, look, I bought this at the end of 2019, and it was heavily rumored that Apple was going to go with Apple Silicon at, at some point, and they did it six months later, right? They did it one year after announcing the 2019 Mac Pro. Uh, my plan is to run this until... I can't put new versions of Mac OS on it anymore. And then I'll reconsider. So for me, none of this really changes my decision and the way that I plan on using this machine for years to come. This is not a machine I can casually change out like a laptop. Like, way too much money into it for that. Market. Yeah, please save this clip. Everybody, what is it? Episode 329. is going to find a way... Or a justification for getting the new Mac Pro. I have... We all know. I have a second desk, and that desk needs a Mac Pro on it, so... <laughs> yeah, somehow, <laughs> because, like, he's going to make his studio bigger, and, well, <laughs> what you got to do with all that room, am I right? So it's going to find a way to to get it, and I don't even know why you say these things anymore. Yeah, you shouldn't say them so definitively like that. Because look, what they are announcing is a computer you are going to be very excited about. Like a G4 Cube-esque Mac Pro with power by Apple Silicon. I mean, even I want it and I have no use for it. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely do not need it, but I kind of want it. So, Me too. I'm like in for it. So the second part of this report is that there is a half-size Mac Pro in the works powered by Apple Silicon. So if you go back to my opening, if a Mac Pro basically ships as as an aluminum box full of air, and it's your job to displace that air with technology, half-size, smaller Mac Pro, whether it's cube-shaped or not... And, like, can we just say... You said this on Upgrade. I want to say it here. Apple's never done a successful small Pro desktop machine... They just haven't. The Cube failed. 2013 Mac Pro failed miserably. Whatever. We'll see what this does. So the question is, if it's smaller, what do they get rid of? How do they reduce the amount of air they ship in this machine? And the clear answer is fewer expansion slots. Because if you look at the inside of the Mac Pro, if you think, well, okay, well, the CPU could be smaller or whatever. Like, the CPU takes up very little space inside this tower. Very little. And the power supply is in the bottom, so you can still have a power supply. It'd be smaller, I would assume, but it's not like it eats into the space. It's video cards and expansion slots, expansion cards that take up space. And if you think about where Apple Silicon is today, right now, okay, right now you have CPU, GPU, and memory basically shipping as a unit, Right, the memory is like slightly off to the side, but 
system on a chip design is very different than what's in the in the Intel machines, especially the Mac Pro, where they're actually different parts. I don't think that Apple could half the size of the Mac Pro without fundamentally changing uh, the way that it the way that it works. So like would this Mac Pro come with an Apple GPU that's built in somehow? Well, uh, my my thinking was because I mean, there's been lots of reports that Apple are developing their own GPUs, right, mm-hmm. for these more powerful machines. So, like the iMacs and potentially the Mac Pros, that it would be Apple made GPUs. And one of the ways that you make this smaller is you don't need all of the huge hardware for GPUs anymore. But I don't think that the GPUs will be all integrated. Like I could imagine much smaller Apple built modules for yeah. GPU uh, upgrades. It could, yeah, it, it could be that they're all one slot tall, right? Where the the MPX modules are tall, or they lean on on uh, they lean on eGPUs as well. Well, as a potential future option for this. I mean, maybe I think if you're going to build a tower, like, what's the point of an eGPU? Just like put well, it in the box. Not much of a tower, is it? No, no, it's not. <laughs> and and so far, but, you know, I. I we should comment so far that this is what the Apple Silicon machines look like. They don't support eGPU. It's all system on a chip. That doesn't mean that will always be true, but it's true right now. It's so like we, we're in this weird middle state right now. Also in this middle state, we have the issue of, well, um, if you want a really different Apple Silicon machine, like the options are very limited in how you can customize what it is. Like we're at the very beginning of this. Seeing how it's going to flesh out, we just we just don't know. But knowing the size of the potential future Mac Pro may help us understand that, yeah, maybe the, the GPU won't be upgradable or it can be way smaller because it can run cooler. I mean, the MPX modules are so tall because it's all heat sink and the fans of the case cool it. But if Apple can make something that runs cooler, maybe they don't need that. You know, there's also in this state of, we don't really know what's going to happen in the future. Currently, there's no support for any non-Apple GPUs in the Apple Silicon version of Big Sur. Not just yep. no eGPUs on Apple Silicon Macs, no third-party GPUs whatsoever. And so if they were to open this up to AMD to build graphic cards for, that would need to be addressed too. So it's kind of hard to really estimate what's going to happen, but clearly it would ship, I think, with with fewer slots. And Apple knows how many slots most people are using, I would assume. I would assume they collect that data. And so maybe they say, oh gosh, 95% of 2019 Mac Pro owners, the only thing they've put in it is a GPU. You know, maybe I'm unusual that I have a GPU and an afterburner card and a PCI card in it with solid state drives on it. Maybe I'm the odd one out. I don't know. I mean, very curious. I have questions for people that bought that machine and haven't put anything in it. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are you doing? Right. Like, I don't know. Why, <laughs> I don't know why you bought it. Like, even if you buy it and just like put stuff in it because it's fun to put stuff in it, you know. Like, you don't have to put all those drives inside, but you want to put them inside because it's fun to put them inside. And you have this big computer. Why not put them inside, right? Like, you could just as easily put them on the outside. But why would you? You've got this huge case. But I, I do wonder if like. If Apple are going to build every part of it, which they might, right? Like, it's all stuff they make. Maybe they can make it more efficient and smaller. Maybe it doesn't need to be so big because it doesn't need the airflow, 
right? I mean, like, I mean, maybe, maybe if you that's look at one the of the f- reasons everything's so big. Well, if you look at the fans, on the there's three fans on the front. The top one goes through the CPU and that space where the hard drives go. If you put that metal bracket in it, the bottom two cool anything you put in the PCI slots. And then you have a blower on the other side that cools the RAM. I think if they're, I think for it to be a Mac Pro, for them to use that name and people not riot outside of Apple Park, the RAM has to be upgradable, the storage needs to be expandable, and you need some slots. Even if you can only buy GPUs from Apple, even if it's not the GPU, people need, you know, input Apple cards. It's all the stuff we talked about in 2013 that that Mac Pro failed to do. Mm-hmm. Lots of professionals need various hardware cards to put inside the machine so i don't know it's really it's really interesting and it would be interesting for apple to ship something that you could put on your desk that you could hide behind your pro display or whatever and it'd be quiet and all that stuff and the current mac pro is silent most of the time but it is enormous and it's like look it's worth noting like mini itx or micro itx boards like pcs exist oh yeah like small form factor pcs that you can put massive graphics cards in right like this isn't like a uh there that there are no computers of these smaller sizes and so like that's the kind of size we could be going for here which would be about half the size of the mac pro because the mac pro is ginormous right like in Mm -hmm. pc standards it's very big and it is pc cases run the size gamut now and so they could still build something that is really expandable and really small. Like, it's very much possible to do that. It should, we're just going to see. I have a lot of faith in this because I do not think that the same company that made the Mac Pro would make a new Pro Mac that didn't have sufficient expandability to it. I, even if you can only buy the expandability from Apple because they're going to make everything really specific and custom, I still believe that there will be expandability, sufficient expandability to this machine. Otherwise, what was the point? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What was the point in spending all this money and time in building the Mac Pro when the iMac Pro would have done the job for most people and over time everyone would have just given up. Like they would have just stopped caring, right? Like mm-hmm. so the the iMac Pro was the plan. They could have chose to st- stick with that plan if they wanted to and they wouldn't create the the Mac Pro and have it be a one and done. Like they they never would have done that. They would have just stuck with the iMac Pro and they would have just moved forward into the all iMac future, right? Like it would be absolutely bananas for them to have spent all that time making all of the infrastructure necessary to make a computer that can do what the, the Mac Pro can do and then just abandoned it. I reckon they're gonna have two. That's what I think they're going to have. I think they'll have a smaller one and a bigger one. Yeah. I, I, that's where I, if I could put my finger on it, that's where I think they're going to go. And the bigger one would have more slots and be somehow more capable, you think? Yeah. I think that it would be, honestly, I think that the small Mac Pro would probably sit capability wise kind of around where we think of the iMac Pro now. Mm-hmm. And then they have the Mac Pro sitting where the Mac Pro sits because. There is a big price gap, right? And I think they they will plug that price gap. They'll have IMAX, and the IMAX can be super powerful. They'll also have this Mac Pro Mini, whatever they'll call it. Uh, And then they'll have the Mac Pro as well, and then that that will be that. Because as well, the other rumor is they're making a monitor. So, you know, you don't need to buy the Pro Display XDR to have an Apple monitor. So I I reckon that that, that 
I still reckon I'll have both. I, I, I don't think that the small one will replace the big one. Because I also can't imagine them introducing the small one and saying, this is the new one. Oh, and by the way, we've revved the old one. Yeah. It just seems really weird to me. Yeah. I mean, if I had to put money on it today, I would say there's not an Intel update coming. And that these are either two concepts that are fighting it out or there will be a Mac Pro and then something smaller in between the Mac Mm. Mini and the Mac Pro. You know, the X-Mac, which people wanted for 20 years. Maybe it's finally going to happen. So the other thing was that new display. Federico, I was just wondering from your perspective, like, Mm. because I know that you would... I could imagine that of everything, you would be most likely in the market for the display, right? right? Like, I know that they announced MacBook Pro potentials, and I know that you'd spoken about um, Sylvia wanting a new MacBook Pro, and, and that kind of feels yeah. like it would be the logical next step. But I was wondering specifically about the display. Do you have any kind of, like, f- a feature list for this? Mm. Well, if they can make it nicer than the ultrafine that I have, which is this ugly piece of plastic, that would be a good start. Um, I guess I wouldn't. I, I would love to have like a beautiful display, like thin bezels, uh, not made of black plastic, um, something more elegant, more tasteful than what I have. And in terms of features and specs, as long as it works with both whatever it's called Thunderbolt and um, USB C for the iPad Pro. Like that, you know, to have the same experience that I have with the Ultrafine, um, yeah. that would be cool. Well, I guess the expectation is that it would be Thunderbolt 4, which right. does unify the specs, right? Like right. The, I, That would be my expectation because that's what's in the M1 Max. So right. you would assume that, the, that that's what the monitor would be too. Steven, but the I, iPad Pro doesn't have wild, Thunderbolt yeah. 4. No, but it's USB-C. The, right. the point is that Thunderbolt 4, my understanding is Thunderbolt 4 unifies them both. So it works the same, I believe. Uh, I think that's, that's right. It's That is a very yeah. confusing topic. Right. <laughs> Does M1 Max not have Thunderbolt 4? What has Thunderbolt 4? No, Something they, has they, Thunderbolt 4. They have, so it, Apple calls it Thunderbolt 3 USB 4. USB 4, sorry. USB, USB 4. 4. USB 4, I got it mixed around. So USB 4 is both Thunderbolt and USB-C, it's like all of it in one. Yes. I believe that's the case, right? I believe that so is So there'll true. probably be USB 4, and then it can be all of it. That would be my expectation. That yes. It'll just be the same connection. It's, it's very confusing. Mm. In any case, <sighs> that, whatever the name of the spec is. Whatever that is. Uh, and I wouldn't mind, this is something that I've started seeing in, in a bunch of like third-party displays and accessories. Uh, I would love to have uh, a wireless charging station uh, in the foot of the display. Oh, like yeah. That feels like a useless waste of space, right? Right now, I'm just leaving stuff there in the base of the ultra-fine display that I have. Mm-hmm. Like my Walkman and my um, Sony earbuds are just there, because why not? Uh, make it useful. Make that part useful or make it smaller. So either it's smaller somehow, but I mean if you gotta support a display, you still gotta have a you know, you still gotta have a base acting as support. So if it has to exist, at least give it some purpose, give it some utility, you know? So maybe like, that's how they make you pay for a stand. Mm. Like the regular stand <laughs> is just normal. They can, look, and then... they can call it the smart stand for all I care. And I'm gonna pay for they it. Pay you, you pay a little bit, and it's got a MagSafe 
Yeah, MagSafe, you know, I can throw my AirPods, my phone, whatever. Just give it some purpose in terms of Apple, other Apple devices. That would be kind of cool. Uh, anything I else? Was, uh, go on. No, I was going to mention the matte display option, but the, that feels like a Pro Display XDR thing with the Nano. They put it on the iMac. Well, then maybe there's hope. I, I reckon they would have an option. Well, here's a question. I haven't thought about this. What about on the MacBook Pro? I mean, I think the matte display could come. It's, what, a $500 option on the iMac? It's 1000 mm-hmm. on the XDR. I guess the question is... Is the MacBook Pro more likely to need cleaning or be more prone to damage? Because there's all that stuff about mm. you got to clean the matte display in a very particular way. And <laughs> with a desktop that's less likely to get stuff on it, I mean, like mine's like I got to clean mine all the time because stuff just magically appears on it. But on a notebook, mm-hmm. like what happens if you get a little piece of debris and it gets shut between the palm rest and the screen? Does it break it? Does it cause problems? I would imagine that durability is the primary concern. Right. I could imagine them putting it on the monitor, though. I could imagine it being a, an option for, the, for 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 any monitor that they make, just because they put it on the iMac. Because you will naturally assume that now they've put it on the most recent iMac, that the next iMacs will get it. And you will also assume that the iMac screen and the whatever display they make is the same screen panel. So in theory, they should be able to do it, right? Like, if you kind of follow the logic through, it seems like it would be possible. Yeah, I would get that. I would pay for that. Mac display support for Mac me for you know Mac and iPad at the same time. A, a stand that has some utility to it, other than just wasting space on my desk. That would be kind of cool. I would like the adjustability and you know being able to turn it on its side and stuff. Ah, oh, well, that's kind of default, right? I mean, yes, These but we days, should mention, yeah, it. yeah, it's not, it's we we shouldn't take it for granted. Yes, full adjustability, like because Apple's never done that, right? Right, right. yes, they've it not made be, a that's display. That's a good point. Well, except for what the G four, I guess the iMac G four. Mm. You could probably could could you make it portrait? No. What? No. Just no. moved around. Okay. I'm really excited about um about Max this year. Well, Sylvia's getting a MacBook Pro. We already decided uh, yep. she's going to sell her um, 2017 MacBook Pro. And as soon as the 14-inch Pro comes out, uh, she's going to get that. Um, so yeah. she's going to upgrade. She's, she's, I mentioned to her the reports from German, and she was really happy to hear about the touch bar going away and <laughs> keys coming back. Um, That'll be the least. The Touch Bar has to will be the least missed product in Apple's history, I think. Well, maybe not <laughs> the most, but you know, up there with some, you know. Can we can we think of other? Steven, you're the man for this. Things that Apple got rid of that people are not missing at all, like a feature, like a feature, oh, like something. I just gave you an idea for an article. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But this has got to be up there with that. I don't know, like the Apple Pencil charging with lightning, for example. You know, that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, the thing is, most of the time, that takes years, right? It's like, oh, now Mm. we know SCSI was ridiculous because you needed these cables and terminators and stuff. But in 1999, when it was going away, people were mad. So for things that, like, fall out of favor quickly, that's got to be a short list. Like, is there any other feature that has the same level of criticism as the touch bar? That's interesting. 
one last thing before we move on. This is circling all the way back around to a MagSafe stand because it, it, what MKBHD had a video about these and he mentioned something that I'd never th- hadn't thought about. Like MagSafe on the iPhone has none of the safe that MagSafe had on the laptops. Like if you kick that cable, your phone is going with the charger. <laughs> Right? right, it is not, really not safe, safe at just all. Mag. It's more dangerous for your phone because now it's got a weight on the back of it as it hurtles down towards the ground. Right, there's no safety <laughs> with the new MagSafe. It's more it's dangerous than ever. Mag was before. somewhat safe. Kind <laughs> yeah, of. There's no safety. It adds no safety. None of it. It's not. It doesn't exist anymore. It's it's more dangerous now. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. Um. Emma in the in the Discord mentions rightfully so the butterfly keyboard <laughs> as oh, another yeah. product. <laughs> yeah, that uh, is another good one. They, they are connected though, right? The the the, the butter- yeah, they're on the same machine. <laughs> they're on the same surface of the same machine. <laughs> Man, oh, that, that MacBook Pro redesign really did not age well. As we turn into old men, ten fifteen years from now, and connected like one thousand and two hundred. We will laugh about that MacBook. Oh, do you remember that MacBook that had all those bad features and none of them remained? Yeah. That's going to undo all of it. (laughs) You think about it. You think about it. It's kind of, it's really rough. Yeah. It's bad. So, uh, yeah. Mark Gurman is just having, having quite the year. The Mac's having quite the year. Yeah. No, nothing about the iPad. We're going to talk about another report, but the iPhone shortly, but. He very briefly mentions it. In, in the iPhone report. This episode of Connected is brought to you by ExpressVPN. So how did you choose to use which internet service provider you signed up with? The sad thing is most of us have very little choice because ISPs have a lot of control in the regions they serve. They can use this control to take advantage of customers with things like data caps, streaming throttles, and more. But worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and sell that data to other big tech companies or advertisers. So you protect all of your devices with ExpressVPN like I do, which means my ISP can't see my internet activity. So what's ExpressVPN? It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone. It encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server. So your ISP cannot see any of your activity. Just think about how much of our lives are on the internet. Sites we visit, videos we watch messages we send, it all gets tracked. And who can see that information can sell that information for profit. So the reason I recommend ExpressVPN is the best way to hide your online activity from your ISP. Just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. I've used ExpressVPN for years, and that bit about it not slowing down your connection is 100% true. I've tried other VPNs in the past, and you feel like you're going through a VPN because everything crawls slowly along. With ExpressVPN, everything stays fast and responsive. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell off your info. Protect yourself with the VPN I trust to keep me private online expressvpn.com slash connected is where you want to go. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash connected to get three months 
extra free. Once again, that's expressvpn.com slash connected to learn more and get three months for free. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the show and Relay FM. So probably the report that had the least uh, detail in it was one about the iPhone. So just, I think this was... Folder phones. Three or four Mark Gilman reports. And this was, this was the, the last one of them. So basically saying that Apple is testing foldable displays for an upcoming device. They've made basic prototypes but have no plans finalized. This makes sense. Uh, of course they're testing it. Why wouldn't they, right? Like, Because I've said it before, Like, it might not pan out, but this is the next form factor that we can conceive of, right? Mm-hmm. We have phones and we have tablets. Imagine if we could get something that was in between. So I wanted to gauge with the two of you what your ideal foldable format would be from apple <laughs> so because there are a couple of things that it can that, that, that these there are a couple of ways these these devices can go right you can have a phone that becomes a tablet right so like the galaxy z fold so you have a small phone open it up it's a tablet or you could have a tablet which gets bigger right so you could start off with say uh, a 10 inch ipad and then make it a 12-inch iPad. And there's this whole thing, like when I'm talking about this, LG just showed off this rollable concept, which is, I don't know about this at all. This seems like a bad idea. Um, But it's basically you have the device and then the device gets bigger. Like Mm. the screen is kind of like expands. It's very peculiar. Um, Or the other one, which is arguably, I think the most successful form factor so far is a flip phone. So you have a small phone which becomes a bigger phone. So if you had to choose, even if you want to choose, where would you be sitting right now as like a, a cool Apple device for you? What What is like the ideal? Like, let's not think about mm. uh, reliability. Let's assume that all of that is solved. Where could you imagine some kind of uh, adapting screen size fitting in your life best? At the moment, I'm leaning toward foldable tablet. Just because okay. I know myself and I know that I would love to have something small for reading and watching video that can get bigger when I want to get work done. So instead of having two tablets, like an iPad mini and an iPad Pro, I could have one tablet that can solve both, you know, that can work in both scenarios, I guess. So when I want to have something portable and compact, but also something bigger for multitasking and that kind of stuff. I don't see personally at the moment the appeal of a flip phone just because a phone being a device that I take out of my pocket and that I unlock so many times a day, I don't want to have the friction of unfolding it every single time. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that I would like to have a small display if I do not unfold it. I just like to have a big enough display that I take out of my pocket and it's ready to use. So the flip phone, I don't care about. The foldable tablet, I'm really intrigued uh, because right now I have two iPads, each serving a different function, and I could have one if only the display was adjustable. For me, then, I think I agree with Federico. But for a phone, I think I prefer a phone that I can do everything on on a phone-sized screen and then opens into like an iPad mini for Mm. media experiences or a bigger keyboard or better multitasking. While I like the idea and I'm nostalgic for the flip phone I once had, 
to Federico's point, you have to open it for almost everything. And I don't necessarily want that interaction every time I need to see the big screen. Whereas if Apple did had an iPhone that's iPhone size and then it opened up into a small tablet, that extra work to open the phone is optional when I want that experience and it's not interfering with the experience of everyday use. So I'll say with technology as it is today, the flip phone is the most compelling to use like from my own use cases because the idea of a phone that becomes a tablet is I think the most compelling on a daily basis, right? Wouldn't it be great to have one device that is both your phone and a tablet? But technology right now just doesn't do this elegantly enough. They're just thick and big. If they can work that out, which I think is possible, I, I think that this could be a real winner. And I could imagine this being the the area that Apple would attack. Like, I could imagine that this is what they're attacking. Like, a, you know, plus-sized phone that becomes an iPad mini. That kind of seems like the way to go, um, but it's this is it's complicated right now because with the current with technology where it is right now, it's two devices in one. It's not one device that gets bigger, right? You have the phone on the outside, and then you open the device, and you got the tablet because the you can't fold glass right now. Like it's you can't do it, and it still be protected. Like it still will be protected. So I think this is why Apple is maybe just prototyping, like they're just in early stages, because the technology's got a long way to go. But I think luckily for the industry, Samsung don't care. And they're going to keep making their devices because that's what's needed, I think, like for this technology to be pushed forward. There has to be companies like Samsung and LG to a point who are willing to make devices in public that they'll charge you a lot of money for that are not finished. It's an important part of technology. Like Samsung did it with the Note, right? And then the Note made phone the entire industry's phones bigger. But if Samsung weren't doing it, no one would have done it. Because, well, for one, Samsung make the displays that a lot of companies use. So it's kind of important that someone's trying it. But I just wanted to see where you guys were. I, I can also agree with Federico that uh, somebody who owns two iPads, I would love just to have one. Mm. And it's small for for like social media stuff big for what i'm getting work done on it i think that would be really nice but i believe this is the future but this future is is still quite a way away i think especially for apple i think we're multiple years multiple years away from some kind of apple folding device but mark german does also talk about the 2021 iphones uh it's going to be it seems very much an s year in scope uh, I would just say, because Stephen's put a note, I don't think that that means necessarily S year in name. I just don't think it means that. Because one of the things that they... <laughs> one of the things that they're talking about... Well, look, my friend, you're not having a great year so far. And so, you know, I guess you could take them where you get them. Um, they have... There is apparently talk of an in-screen fingerprint reader. I think that that is a big enough feature on its own to bump it up a year. Yeah. I do. Like, people will go wild for that. Especially if they do that, because the Touch ID button, right, feels very much like a compromise, right? You you bring Touch ID back into a button, 
put it on the side of the phone, people will be happy, but it's very much going to feel like kind of uh, face ID didn't work for you, did it? Yeah. If they make put it like touch ID into the display, if they do it right, it's gonna it's gonna be cool. Like I know it's a feature that exists on every single Android phone, but this is just one of those things that Apple will talk about how magical it is, right? And how they've done something that nobody else has ever done, right? Because this is just what they do, or what they say sometimes. But it will at least feel like the technology moved on than if they just put Touch ID back in a button. So I could I can see them doing this. I, I think this is probably what they'll do. They they'll make some kind of in-screen uh, fingerprint reader, and it'll be cool. Uh, Mark also talks about AirTags still being planned for this year, like <laughs> still, and okay. with lots of accessories like a little leather pouch. Which I guess why not? Uh, Samsung just announced theirs. I think they're called Galaxy Tags or something. Yeah. Um, like th- their product is going to be available and out there, and it's they're going to have two versions of them, and one of them's going to have ultra wideband in it, and all that kind of stuff. And they have one's just Bluetooth. Uh, and then also we we're talking about the iPad Pro. Uh, Mark Gurman confirms plans for a mini LED iPad Pro with a much faster processor, and also the thinner entry level iPad. Not a lot of detail about that because there's things we don't know, right? Like. What is the mini LED iPad? Is right. it a 12.9? Is it both of them? Is it a third option? Like the 12.9 splits into two. There's also no talk of an iPad mini in here. Um, so not so much detail about the iPad, which is interesting because of all of the things we've spoken about today, that's probably the first product for this year. Yeah, I think so. Maybe the entry-level iMac and iPad Pros and the iPad is probably going to be the first products this year. MacBook Pros likely mid-year, and then the Mac Pro, I don't know when. So that's the reports. Who knows? That's why it's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a lot of fun talking about this stuff. It definitely doesn't seem like 2021 is going to be a calmer year for product releases. No. It's going to be busy. Man, Mark Gurman, he's a busy guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Friday, it was like every, felt like every 30 minutes or something, there was some yeah. new report. Yeah, I saw someone uh, wrote into Upgrade and gave like a good theory on that because Ming-Chi Kuo had a report that went out before about the laptops. And it was it came out on Friday and it basically spoke about the 14 and 16-inch laptops. So maybe like Mark was sitting on all this stuff and he was like, well, better get it out now. Like maybe that <laughs> wasn't the, the plan to release four articles in one day or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I maybe that's why. I don't know. I think that's it. Okay. If you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 329. While you're there, there's a bunch of stuff you can do. You can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. You can become a member and have access to Connected Pro, which is a weekly version of the show. Each and every week we do it. No ads and extra content. It's a whole lot of fun. Uh, this week we spoke about Footbones, Tidal, and the inauguration. It was a good time on the pre-show this mm-hmm. week. 
You can find us all online. You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E, and Mike is the host of a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. Mike, anything you want to talk about? Uh, I'm going to be streaming again on Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern at Mike.Live if you want to come and hang out. Cool. You can find Federico online as well. He is Vitici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Uh, Federico, I have a quick question for you this week. Sure. Just a okay. quick one. Quick one. Okay. What is your least favorite household chore? Oh. Um, hmm. I guess, well, hmm. I want to say cleaning outside. Hmm. Just because, I don't know, especially in the winter, when it's cold, I really dislike it. And I also dislike it in the summer because it's too hot. (laughs) So you have no control over the temperature outside. So cleaning outside really sucks in general. Mm. So yeah, that one, just no particular chore, just having to clean outside in cold or hot weather, I I don't like it. You can find me online... I'm ISMH on Twitter and on Twitch, and I write 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Pingdom, and ExpressVPN. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.